They say small business is the backbone of America. So what's the best way to support a small business? It is to learn more about them and share with your family and friends. We interview founders from across the world who have started and scaled their business through the ups and downs, long hours, and the rewards that come from sacrificing their time to build their business. Welcome to First to Arrive, Last to Leave, The Journey of an Entrepreneur. All right, start this puppy out. All right, welcome to another episode of First to Arrive, Last to Leave. It's our first 2023 edition. Yes, love this. All right, we have a very awesome guest. Uh, Sasha is someone I've been able to meet through a women's group that we that is run from Leslie, who was a previous guest here. But uh, Sasha Crabtree is here. She's the president and founder of Remote COO. Uh, Sasha, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, and you're... I, I think I've got this right. You're out of like the College Station area, but you came out of the Houston cohort, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, I just recently moved. Okay, that's what it was. You recently moved. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Remote COO. Um, I know you've been around for several years now, and tell us a little bit about how you got started and what you do. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, um, Remote COO partners with entrepreneurs and nonprofit organizations to really help them run their their business. Um, we are their business partner. We're managing those tactical, like day-to-day operations, so that they can stay focused on providing expertise to their clients. So we end up being a part-time member of their team, uh, have professional-level experience in all areas of running some service-based businesses, and so we kind of help you wear all of the hats. Um, I know how hard business owners are working. I know how overwhelming it can feel. I know their struggles, their desire to succeed. And um, I think that we really have something to you know, offer them um, in this world so that they can offer their services to the world. And I want to help them achieve that through their, their journey. Um, and that's always been just a passion of mine. Amazing. And with with doing this, do you, you come in as like a, as a partner and you're assessing the needs of the business and and helping them execute? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. We join their team in, uh, in a fractional kind of part-time way, represent their company, but we're really looking at their operations and workflows and processes and pulling all of that together to really make it um, sync well and so that there's not any gaps. And then we help them implement that on a regular kind of day-to-day um, basis. So how, I know there, you know, when it comes to just different pieces of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of pieces. Are there certain areas that you guys really focus on um, in, in helping to overtake certain areas? Or is it you've got a team across various areas and you can kind of plug and play at any point in a business? Um, well, we kind of pride ourselves on being a Jill of all trades um, and just able to kind of come in and help on all those foundational pieces that it takes to run a business. Um, we do have people or team members who, you know, have experience in certain areas. Um, and we do have someone who helps with the marketing piece. So we do kind of, you know, place skills where they're needed with um, the client, depending on what their needs and challenges are. But we're always going to come in on that just kind of that foundational level where the business owner feels really overwhelmed with all of the day-to-day the administrative the operational pieces the sales process the client onboarding process <clears throat> a lot of those things that really take uh up their time 
So I, what's neat about this is, you know, I've heard of like fractional CFOs. And to hear about a fractional COO is, the, I mean, the reason that's unique, I, the fractional um, idea is unique as a whole because a lot of businesses, right, we're worried about cash flow. We're worried about, you know, can we can we afford to hire this full this person full time? Um, but I feel like that this type of work gives perspective because you can actually lend yourself to multiple different businesses, and you're almost learning, like let's just say, manufacturing, service, food, and you're able to take all of that information and basically help each each company. Um, do you find yourself cross promoting or cross working with your customer or your clientele? Um, a- absolutely, we do business back and forth with several of That's our cool. clients. So we're a client of theirs; they're a client of ours. Um, it, we really help service-based companies, so those that don't necessarily have a product. Yeah, um, that's where we feel we're, we're strongest at. So it's kind of the business professionals, um, consultants, uh, business coaches, someone kind of you know offering what their expertise is to the world that it takes you know them specifically to do it. Um, and there's only there's only so much limited time with that entrepreneur for them to be able to give their expertise. So how do we amplify that? How do we give them a way to scale that? Um, and so, that's kind of, you know, where we're focused. So what puts you on this path? Because I, fi- I find it like really, I'm, I'm curious because you obviously have to have a lot of expertise to be able to give ex- expertise. So what, what puts you on this path? Well, I've always been involved in entrepreneurial activities like throughout childhood. My parents own their own company. I've worked for small businesses while growing up. Um, just always finding a niche in that organizing, planning, being creative. And when I, after I graduated from Texas A&M with a business management degree, I, I worked as an administrator in a small offshore marine company. And then I transitioned to a program manager and then eventually director of operations at a nonprofit. So <clears throat> while I was there, I was talking with one of the board members um, and he's like, I could really use your skill set on a fractional kind of part-time basis to help me run my business. I'm overwhelmed, but I work from home and I don't need you sitting in my entryway <laughs> like a traditional role might be. Yeah. But I need your help and I want someone at your level, but I don't need you full time. Yeah. So how does that kind of work? And my business really just started from there, um, you know, serving that, you know, niche of, of clients and I've I've been kind of a referral based business ever since and we're going on 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. She's legit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to know like when customers I mean I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus but I want you to throw it. No just kidding. Um, (laughs) When people come to you what would you say the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make Mm -hmm. in that place of coming to you? So if I feel overwhelmed, if I feel, and I come to you, what are, what makes your job easier and what makes your job harder and, and where do cu- and customers usually fall type of deal? Yeah. Um, it makes our job harder when the entrepreneur feels like they already have systems in place mm-hmm. and they just want someone to come do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Many times we think we have these things laid out or we spend time laying them out prior to, you know, bringing on help. And I want you to do it this way. We have a harder time going into those types of clients to help them understand or uh, that there are gaps in that, or this doesn't make sense. When you have that third party perspective, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a fresh look at things where you've been 
deep in the weeds for many years typically. Um, and so we have to approach those a lot more carefully um, because we, we, we're gonna pick up on those um, gaps pretty instantaneously um, because we can see it with a fresh set of eyes. And that, that's the harder part. Um, easier is when clients come to us and they are overwhelmed because they have all of this business, they're trying to kind of keep things afloat. Um, they're, they're not participating in home fully that they want to. They are not, you know, they've missed a big sale or they let a client down and they just know that they need help and they want someone to walk alongside them and they understand the value of having um, someone at our level help them with all of the things. Um, those are my favorite clients when they're just like, I just need help and I trust you. You totally just said the opposite of what I thought you'd say. I thought for sure the overwhelmed, <laughs> like I, I've done this too long, I need your help person would be your nightmare. And then the person who like had processes in place, who at least could say, all right, we've got to start would be right. like, your, that's so crazy. Okay. Well, and I, I know we don't, were we talking about that we didn't like the word pivot at one point? Right, yeah. Um, but I think what's interesting about um, your line of work and what you're offering is that it's, like you said, about having a fresh perspective. And I know that a lot of the times you don't know what you don't know. And to have that expertise, I mean, 17 years, that's a lot of time. and That's a lot of expertise. Um, where do you feel like is always the starting point with a with a customer when you first engage where's what do you take on first you know we really try to understand the client first how do they work what do they feel like that is the best use of their time what things do they love to do what's their priorities so we really try to start learning about the client first and foremost um, and we want to make a big you know impact out of the gate um, so we usually take a look at their calendar <laughs> understand those pieces, how they operate with it. Are they using time blocking? You know, um, just learning about their pain points, um, where they see themselves, what they want to do, what are some of their goals. So the biggest part to kind of building that trust, especially in a, a virtual, you know, team um, environment is to really get to know that person. And you have to do that um, with, you know, using the video. It can't just be phone calls. It can't be mm -hmm. emails. We have a a very um, laid out way of, um, you know, getting to know our our clients so that we can build a trusting, like long-term relationship with them. And we have to do that relatively quickly. I mean, mm -hmm. we're getting into the nitty gritty. It's like the housekeeper coming to your house and you go running around picking up things um, really quick, and, yeah. but you've hired them to clean and they're gonna see all the dirt and grime in every corner. Um, that's that's you know kind of where we are, and we have to be able to provide a safe environment for that business owner to be vulnerable with us, so that we can help them. So how Great did analogy? I know, it's <laughs> I, I, you know I've heard of we all do it. We all do yeah. it. You know so we do. <laughs> this is a funny story. If you're on video, you can see I have a really messed up finger. I'm totally digressing. <laughs> the messed up finger happened because I was in a rush. The cleaners were coming. This is a true story. <laughs> And I was cleaning out a stemless wine glass. Like I didn't want them to see the dirty dishes and the glass shattered in my hand and severed a tendon. So true what? story. Yes. Like over yeah, vacation? This is stuck like this. No, 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 no. This oh. is like many, many, many years ago, but my finger is stuck like this forever. So anyway, 
So it's I've heard of people room. doing that. So it's a constant reminder. There's consequences, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So guilty. Very guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You're gonna ask them. No. So I'm I'm curious. Entering because you know we talk a lot about Goldman Sachs, and so entering that program, were you looking at it as a way to build your business or a way? I mean, obviously yes, but but also a way to sort of connect with businesses that could ultimately use your services. Yes. Um, (laughs) It was to connect with, I thought, wow, here's some business owners. I could be helping them do these things. Certainly what I thought going into it, here's my vulnerability part. I went to Goldman Sachs because I wanted to find my goals. Um, I wanted to plan for growth and I didn't know what that looked like even Mm. after um, 10 years in business. I've always been a very short-term project planner, a very realistic view of today, one foot in front of the other, do the next best thing. And I didn't have these long-term aspirational goals and I couldn't come up with any. And I felt bad about that. I, I thought it was just me. Like if you're in business, you're supposed to want to grow tenfold and have this much revenue and do this much thing. And I was just kind of doing my thing and I loved it. Um, and I just kept doing it. And I didn't have things, you know, laid out. And I thought that Goldman Sachs would give that to me if I could have someone kind of walk me through how I'm supposed to have that. Um, and and honestly, I just didn't feel big enough at first to even be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find my tribe. I found that I could learn from others um, who were a little bit further along than I was. There was lots of ideas and feedback and collaboration and and others kind of challenging you to think a little bit further out, think a little bit bigger. And I think one of my kind of, you know, one of the biggest takeaways that I had was understanding that um, it's okay to not have these ginormous, um, huge goals of building a 50 or 300 person team and, Mm -hmm. you know, and having this, you know, big long list of clients and 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 running some kind of corporation it doesn't have to be that way and i don't need to feel bad about that i like what i do i love my team i love my clients and that's that's what brings me the most um joy that's what brings me passion is talking to small business owners and um and, and and i learned to to be okay with wanting to have that same thing i was offering my team which was being able to kind of um you know, balance that work and, um, you know, life and, and be the things that I wanted to be. Um, now, now balance is a little bit of a word for me. I don't mean 50-50 there. Balance for me is a sum of one, right? You're, you're going to have different things in different seasons of your life. Yeah. But, um, but I, I wanted to have that within my life as well. And I think I that's it. one of the things, too, I love about this podcast is when we talk about um, business as a whole, like what what success equals to you. It doesn't mean that you want to be, like you said, a 300-person team. It's like, yay, we've got, you know, three people on staff and we were able to hit this number and that is solid for us and that we've achieved that right. goal. You don't have to run. I think we live in a society currently because I I mean, I know I struggle. We talk about social media. It's like, it's always, what's your side hustle and how much money you make in and all that stuff. It doesn't, right. it doesn't have to be that way. It, it, it can right. be like, success could equal time with your family. It could Mm -hmm. equal a balanced schedule or just uh, hiring someone who gives you perspective. I mean, that, you know, equals balance too. I I mean, at least from my gut, you know, talking to you, I mean, like that's making me, my perspective change on it. Yeah. How did the, 
so you talked about goals and you've got this balance goal, but you talked about you were short term, shorter term thinking before entering the program. How did you, and you wanted to like really assess and learn how to set those right goals on a longer term. How did that change for you going in versus coming out? Well, I learned the process kind of, I, I learned a, a tried and true, you know, this has been tested type of, uh, you know, process to really analyze a growth opportunity and determine if it's right for my business at that time. Um, and how do you kind of, uh, you know, assess the operational pieces and the resources that you need and how do you hire the right people and just getting a, um, already having the real world, world experience and then being able to um, see how this kind of lined out in the textbook and theory wise and when you're able to kind of mesh those two together then you have this um, different look and perspective that says you know 10-year goals those are they're still kind of far-fetched to me yes. but I do know what I want to accomplish next year and I do know that that will kind of lead to the two and three year that I'm looking at but they don't have to be set in stone you know, um, and I've, I've always kind of talked to my clients about uh, measuring what matters. So your goals need to matter. It doesn't have to always be the financial base. They talk about having smart goals and how do you know that you reach them? And you know what? Some of them are just subjective. Some of them are a feeling. Um, you know, some of them might be, I want to finish the day by three o'clock and I want to be able to take Fridays off with my kids. Some of my, uh, you know, clients yeah. have that goal. That's what they want to do. They want to grow their business, but they want to grow it to where they can achieve those goals. Um, and, and it's just kind of about how you feel and that you're working with the, the right clients. Well, you can define right, but it's also just this feeling that you have that you're really like what you're doing. Uh, so putting things in place to get that, to understand that, to know that those types of goals are okay too. Uh, I want to go to <laughs> obstacles because 17 years, I'm going to assume, and this is nothing against you, Sasha, but I'm going to assume <laughs> that there's been a couple bumps in those 17 years. So you are like this shining star of, I mean, I can't, like, what is it, 90%? And I might be being conservative of businesses fail after five years, right? Mm -hmm. um, what has been a couple obstacles that you had to overcome uh, as you've built this for 17 years that, you know, a lot of people may be thinking I'm in the crux of this or, you know, something, but it's just par for the course and sticking with it or just making a minor shift could make the world a difference. Anything you can think of uh, in these past this long term of business owning? <laughs> yeah, well, there are several, right? <laughs> um, uh, I think one of them early on is is probably just learning how to sell yourself, how to talk about your business. Um, it just takes repetition. It takes going to that monthly networking thing, time out, you know, time in and time again. Um, and, and just, you know, doing that and saying it over and over until you kind of perfect that. And then as you grow, learning how to sell your service and team so that clients aren't just drawn to you, but to the team and systems that you've built. Um, oh, so very early on, that's kind of, you know, one of my big, one of my biggest obstacles is walking into that daunting room of 50 people who all feel, who I think all know each other. <laughs> and they're talking and it's like, 
okay, how do I go step into this little circle and say hi, um, and 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 be able to carry on, you know, a, a good you know conversation that leads to you know what do you do and how do you do this very genuine and 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 I like those conversations now, but. I much prefer kind of the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, discussions and, you know, getting to know someone, um, but it takes meeting them first. They kind of have to get over that hump. Uh, but talking kind of a little bit about life uh, previously, my biggest challenge in business was letting my business run my life. Mm -hmm. um, that's run, you know, running into the ground, the whole, I'm gonna grind it out, um, you know, sun up to sun down, burning the candle at both ends, whatever you know you want to use there. I was all business all the time, and um, I let clients run over me sometimes. And I had some bad clients that, well, I I need the money, so I've got to keep them. I've got to make them happy. And what you know, it's kind of like boiling a frog. It was affecting my family and my marriage, um, and. Uh, you know, when, when my, at the time, my young daughter saw me upset one Valentine's because I got kind of called away from work. And um, this gets me a little choked up. Mm. Um, she said, is it your mean client again? Aww. And I knew like at that point, I was like, things have to change. Um, it, I, I am doing this so that I can be, you know, those things I like you know, working, I liked, you know, what I did. Um, but I was taking um, heat and time and whatever from, um, you know, my clients and I shouldn't have been. And and someone said, well, would you let that client talk to someone on your team like that? And I was like, absolutely not. And they mm -hmm. said, well, why are you letting them talk to you that way? And I said, wow, man. Um, those that was one of like the biggest learning pieces um, to me is to find that right fit and put boundaries around what that relationship looks like. Yes, we're trying to have a good solid relationship with our clients, but there are boundaries around what time we're available, mm -hmm. when you can text us, when you should call us and when we're going to respond. Um, and that comes solely from me you know, learning that. And I don't want any members of my team to experience that. So we make sure to train and kind of set them up um, and empower them um, to hold those boundaries with their clients uh, so that they don't experience, you know, those things. Firing a client. Yeah, I would love to learn, like, <laughs> I mean, there's the learning not to hire what just, have you gotten to a point where you've just been okay, like saying this relationship's not working? Peace out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know that I'm ever okay with it. Right. Um, I, I do not like conversations like that, um, but I do know when they need to happen. Um, and I always prepare for them. I, I lay them out, um, you know, so that I can guide the conversation um, so that I'm not nervous about it. Uh, and usually it's been talked over and through a multitude of times, you know, mm. here's why this may not be a good fit. Here's what I think you need to find to have a good fit for you. So I want to leave them with something. It's never a bad, you know, breakup. I don't want to burn that, you know, bridge, but it certainly has had to, you know, happen on multiple occasions. And that all kind of boils down to kind of finding that right fit and understanding what that is. Now, you don't always catch them in the beginning, but when you are doing prospecting and you're 
talking to the client and finding out about their challenges and how they work, you can get a good feeling about if they're going to work for you, with you, if it's a good fit. Um, and some, you know, you're not going to know till you kind of get in there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the client's going to know that too, because there's going to be frustrations that continue to come up on both sides. Um, so I just think really preparing for that conversation and not blindsiding the client, right? Let's have some conversations in between. Let's make a few changes. Let's talk again in 30 days. So, you know, I, I don't want to just um, come out and fire someone to try to do like some free strikes or, or something so that there's been multiple conversations. I like that process too, where it's like, all right, we're kind of, let's try to shift something versus mm -hmm. this isn't working out. We're done. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to building a team, what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? And like how, how many people are actually on your team? Um, well, currently there are 11 of us, 11 wonderful women on the team and my sidekick husband who's, you know, in the background. <laughs> um, they're professionals, project managers, remote working queens, um, their moms and wives and caretakers and they're you know most of them are pursuing some kind of you know passion in their non-business hour times and it could be you know any of those additional roles so they are part-time employees um, for me uh, my first few team members though were contractors um, they were mom friends and a neighbor and I basically approached you and I'm like how you doing <laughs> <laughs> kind of probing for what do you do during the day do you want to come help me um, and I was like don't worry we do stuff and I'll kind of show you come on along <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how it started. Um, and I just relied heavily on my network to find other such women to bring on my team. And in recent years, we have used, you know, more of kind of the job posting, you know, sites. And I did have a lot of learning from 10KSV in this area as well. So our interview questions are really tailored to learn about the person through situations and discussions that showcase their fit with our culture um, and our core values which are you know, really more important than um, the skill set piece. So I'm so interested by this because I, I love a lot of times the opportunity to provide people with jobs, right? And, and that right. gets me in a little bit of trouble because like you said, like approaching people, like what do you, okay, like you're a stay-at-home mom, like I could give you guys like some flexibility here. And, I feel like that gets me burned a lot just because I probably hire the person that I shouldn't hire just because I really love to help people. Um, mm -hmm. Has there been a way you've, I, you know, like you said, you've hired other people, but I know people have been with you for a long time. So obviously you got some of that right. Any <laughs> tips or tricks to like bringing in friends or bringing in people you know and you know, like ha having that line between professional and like friendship too? Yes. Yes, it's it's a little at a time, um, especially if you don't really kind of know their skill set and those first couple of ladies. So I was like, hey, you know, come join me um, or I need help. Do you think you can do some stuff? Um, it's just giving, you know, little projects at a time, just kind of figuring it out, not just full, full blown just releasing here. Go do this. Thank you. Call you later. Um, having guidelines around that uh, is really helpful. Uh, I, I do have, you know, my COO, um, who is also my bestie now, uh, has been with um, me for 10 years. And I've, I think our other, I think six years, four years, and then quite a few newer employees um, now. 
what we've really found that works for us, especially kind of in that friendship realm, which we weren't, you know, at first, um, is really like almost physically putting on one hat and taking off the other. Mm. So we don't really discuss much personal things on our work calls and vice versa. When we have personal time together, um, we try not to, you know, bring up work. Um, types of conversations unless it's just hey how was your day <laughs> um, and we'd like to tease about oh my gosh my boss um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but that's that's really important um, and I, I try to do that with other members of our team um, as well I mean you want to get to know your team you want to be um, have a relationship with them you want to understand like some of their struggles and things of that nature um, but especially when it comes to kind of like the friendship piece and actually having a friendship outside of um, work, you have to still have the accountability piece, right? Mm -hmm. So when your work hat is on, your work hat is on. Here's what my expectations are and, you know, giving feedback and, and, and vice versa. Like it comes back at you too. Um, and then you've got to be able to kind of draw that line and then, you know, go have a glass of wine that evening and say like, whew, had a rough day at work, but glad I'm here with you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You wanna do rapid fire? Sure. All right, you ready for some rapid fire? I am so ready. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite beverage? Coffee. <laughs> mm. That and water. But if I'm gonna head into the evening and weekends, you know, I like a good red one. <laughs> Any favorites? Um, as far as like red wine is concerned, yeah. Like, what's what's your favorite? I don't know. I'm just I, I haven't drank wine in a bit, and actually, I was thinking that I was like, oh, maybe I want to have a Sampino tonight. But anyways, I'm, I'm oh, I'm I'm red wine, and I like Josh. Check oh that. yeah, okay. awesome. Um, okay, so the best advice you've ever been given? Um, it was from that first client I talked to you about who who became my mentor and still mentors me um, today, he said, go get a client. Ooh. Oh, everything else will <laughs> fall into place in due time. And it did. I was so wrapped up in having everything outlined and printed and legalized. And it became very overwhelming. And he's like, you need a paying client. <laughs> everything will kind of fall into place. You don't have to have your business name and you're this and you're that. And it, and it did. Oh, that's, that's great advice. Yeah, that's really great <laughs> advice. Um, dinner with anyone, who would it be? Um, I would say my grandfather. He was a man of few words unless he was praying. Hmm. No. Then he had a lot of words. Thank <laughs> 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 uh, And what does your morning routine look like? You know, morning routines change with um, seasons of life um, for me. Mm -hmm. um, and currently, I'm a coffee first kind of gal. Um, love that warm, steaming first cup. <laughs> Uh, but then glass of water, all my vitamins, and I get ready for the day. Hair, makeup, clothes. Yes, I know we're virtual, um, but we're on Zoom calls. And if your body's ready, your mind's going to be ready, too. You're oh, going to have a different that. mindset when you get stepped into your office. So. Uh, and then, let's see, what are you currently reading? Emails. <laughs> what are y'all reading? <laughs> These days, it's emails for me. Um, <laughs> Business articles. I love business articles because they give me that short, you know, boom, boom, boom. Here's a new way to think about something. And then um, just like LinkedIn thoughts from, you know, people. That is so fun. 
Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that was a good, that was a really good answer because that went through me. I yeah. was like, really? I haven't, yeah, I haven't read that one in a while. No, that's all. Oh, yeah. That. <laughs> um, and like, what's your top bucket list item? Um, you know what? I, I'm doing it. I always wanted some land. I've been an animal lover. Um, my daughter started FFA, love farm animals kind of began and I dreamed of one day kind of having my coffee sitting on the swing on the front porch and looking out at the cows. And we made that happen in 2020, um, right mm. at the start of the pandemic. It was crazy, but I can see out my office window and look at my herd. <laughs> I love and other little four-legged creatures there's plenty and some two-legged ones running around here so oh my gosh yeah. um it's my dream situation well it is but it, it i always struggle with that do you feel trapped that's this is my biggest so <laughs> i grew up on a farm and this is why i feel this way so i go back to i want to go back to my farm right and have not as bit not what we had but then i'm like because right now we've got a lot of dogs and cats and even leaving them can be difficult Mm-hmm. And that's my worry. It's like, I also want to travel. So I want like a herd, but then I want to travel. And those two do not go hand in hand necessarily very well. So do you feel like sometimes it's hard for you to leave on vacations? Um, yes, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to put the miniature, you know, goat into the back seat. They doesn't really sit very no. well. So daycare doesn't um, usually take them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the hotels are like, what? Uh, but <laughs> Um, You know, in smaller communities, especially like this, where ranching is kind of a way of life for some people, um, there's always a a, a good, trustworthy, you know, kid, family down the street, and you just got to kind of put the call out there and say, I have all of these things. They all need all of this attention, and I've written out a big piece of paper, (laughs) and then you pay well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get someone who, you know, loves those animals just like you do, is used to taking care of those types of animals. And, you know, teenager in FFA or some 4-H um, who drives, that yeah, helps. Yeah. <laughs> then you don't have to burden the mom. Uh, but, yeah, you can do it. There's All right. Ways. <laughs> All right. Now i got to convince my husband. There All you right. Go. <laughs> do we have one more? Uh, I Oh. We were like talking about like what your guilty pleasure is, and it's like no, we you should actually do things. It's for a guilty pleasure. pleasure that you don't feel guilty doing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, for me, um, I like to sneak into the pantry and get some sour candy. I love <laughs> sour gummy, you know, candies with mm, so yummy. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I don't like to tell anybody about it. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing it with us. Yes. You're a good company. Yeah. I have no willpower with those things. (laughs) Well, we were talking about Bucky's before we got on the call about Mm -hmm. how you get like the sour candy from Bucky's too. Mm -hmm. I have to say like Bucky's is just in general become my guilty pleasure. Like I will stop Mm -hmm. and you get me those freaking nuts or the banana Mm -hmm. pudding. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Are, yes, like my everything. husband loves those. Oh yeah. my god! Like I'll eat the whole container in oh. a sitting <laughs> and pay for it, but it's delicious, and I have no regrets. So yeah, and you don't even need to stop, right? You, oh no! It may not be a bathroom break. It may not mean that you need a drink, but you're like, "There's the Bucky's." Oh, you're supposed to stop. Like that is the culture that they've created. That's the craze that they have uh, so cool. made. Like, excellent. Yeah, yeah, I always joke. So we go there and like, I'm like, who stops her? Because I'm like, for anybody who doesn't know Bucky's, it's like huge gas station. And like, they have these massive, like, 
deer feeders and feed and then there's like massive like smokers and I'm like who drives here and you're like I need gas and you know what we do need a $2,000 smoker (laughs) but we were were in Maine and we were out and I wanted I knew there was deer around but I'm like dang it where's a Bucky's when you need one and I could totally buy a deer feeder a deer feed and like pull the deer out so I didn't think it was useful, but there was a time where I really would have found it useful. So (laughs) well, it's experiential. Yes, like you see it on um, on a sign, and you're like, "Oh, I I definitely need beaver nuggets. Mm -hmm. I I need this or I need that." Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I need to go to Bucky's after this. All right. Like, where's one close to Dallas? Uh, Denton. There's one on the way to Denton. Oh. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, uh, Sasha, if somebody wanted to find, like, connect with you, find out more about you, where is the best place for them to go? Um, remotecoo.com. We're on all the social channels. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, so connect with me there. Give me a shout. Um, shoot me a message. It's Sasha Crabtree at remotecoo. Awesome. And we'll put that in our notes page too. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was awesome. Oh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you all so much.